0: This is Negotiate X Podcast, show 41, part B. You're listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on the NegotiateX podcast. We are continuing our conversation with JB Andriasi. He's the co-principal of the resident luxury development company Andriasi Development and a Nest Seekers luxury real estate agent. If you haven't already checked out Part A of this series, then make sure you do that first. Now let's jump into the conversation with JB.
1: I want to steal a question that was was going to be Nolan's, but um, you were talking about football coach at Dartmouth, and just I'd love to know others as you, as you look at the way you talked about negotiation style. That while players may change, but your style is consistent. You were talking about your brand. Who else has had an influence, JB, on the way you approach? negotiations, problem solving, whatever you want to call it. But who, who else has been influential and impactful for you?
2: One person I think back to is the, he was the head of partnerships at the NHL, National Hockey League. His name is Brian Cull. And that was my first really experience in the working world with dealing with clients and, and, and sitting in, in boardrooms and figuring out what different, you know, whether it was Honda or Miller course, or we we're trying to pitch on the idea of partnering with the NHL really hearing him and the ability to communicate and really uh, get through to, to people that had the choices of going to other leagues or other teams. But he's one. And then the other is my current boss and uh, CEO of Nest Seekers, Eddie Shapiro. And he comes from a sales background. He, to me, gets really probably too in the weeds on some day-to-day things, but that's kind of his, his style. And making sure he can touch everything and and really being a coach and being a teacher because he knows if he's going to come in and help us land a $30 million deal out, out in the Hamptons, he knows because of his experience and because he's been through it a lot of times, us being exposed to that and us hearing him is a way for us to learn and then go out and kind of enact it for, for years to come while we work for him. So uh, those are two individuals that definitely – definitely stand out. And I think we'll probably we might get to this guys. But one thing I'm still working on is, I have trouble not being too emotional in a deal, (laughs) right? And and trying not to be impulsive and hearing the other side, even though you want to get angry and stomp your feet, it's how do I remain level headed, and and hear all different perspectives and narratives and, and try and figure out a solution for that. And it's something that I know I've identified as a weakness of mine. I think I'm better at it now than I was, let's say two or three years ago, but it's something that I know I have to continuously work on because it's in me. I am an emotional Italian guy. And and (laughs) so it's something that when you're dealing with, you know, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars and some of the most successful people in the world, you have to remain calm and just level-headed and yeah, something I work on every day.
1: Well, I'd love to go down that rabbit trail just for a moment. I love talking about the role of emotions in negotiations they're there whether whether you're a fiery italian guy or they used to call me the fiery armenian um, <laughs> yep. it, it was tfa when i was in the when i was a captain in the army i think it was the fiery armenian not the something effing armenian <laughs>
2: um,
1: but anyways being, listen no one has ever been in a meeting and anyone said you know what this meeting needs right now is more emotion no one's ever been there right and yet emotions are present whether they're bubbling up or they're under the service, our emotions are there and they really do show up in negotiations. How can I ask if, do you have an example that you can share even in a general terms of when, when emotion like came to the surface and how you, you know, how you were, or were not able to kind of manage it. maybe we can talk some more about how you know, the advice we give.
2: I have a few different, very blurry. I try to block them out of me, <laughs> me, me uh, not, not, throwing off the deal in any way, but yeah. really just me feeling, and it's usually, it's usually me with attorneys, the business and, and the the legal side of things, sometimes butt heads. I can't think of, I can't give you an exact example. I know if I think about it, I probably can. Yeah, it's one of those things that it's just, to me, it's just so important, just trying to figure out how to kind of just hold them in a little bit, or at least, you know, do what I do is I have exercises around that, right? Whether it's, you know, my yoga that I do a couple of times a week. And, and I swear, it's so cliche, but I meditate, I meditate, and I learn how to just, you know, push out, you know, these things that are coming in your head, and you want to be so emotive, but learning how to to deal with those is so important. And I think that's, you know, those types of activities really help and breath work and things like that. And certainly for someone that is highly emotive, like myself, Mm -hmm. and at least I'm self aware of that. I think a lot of times people they aren't and they just kind of they're stubborn and they're arrogant and they want to keep pushing. And it just that always kind of ends up going in the wrong direction, in my opinion, in a deal or when you're negotiating. So, yeah, I don't know if you guys have any advice too I'd, I'd be, you know, really open ears to hearing from your side of things.
1: I mean, I think you're, you're hitting on the head, uh, you know, it starts with awareness and, and being able to be aware of that emotion and the source, right? So, you know, is it frustration? Is it anger? Is it disappointment? And is it because somebody broke their word? Is it because they're delayed? Is it because there are things that are just out of our controls because they won't respond? I mean, there's any number of sources that lead to any number of emotions. And I think just being aware that that's happening and saying, okay, it's happening. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's stuff that you, what you're describing in terms of getting ahead of it. Yeah, we can anticipate that. Right. I think that's something that catches people by surprise. Is like, why am I so emotional about this? Well, because we're human. And 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 so we emotions are part of what makes us who we are. So anticipating it, even expecting it, being able to name it is a pretty good, pretty good start. And we have to deal with both the, our own emotions. And then I think the harder one sometimes is allowing others to bring their emotions to the table too and engage effectively with them. And that means being able to name their emotion and un- and take the time to understand, you know, what's, what's so frustrating or anger causing or, or disappointing, whatever it might be for, for them and, and be able to say, I can see where that would be frustrating. Right doesn't mean I agree with the underlying cause. We may have very different perspectives and we can get to that. We can get to problem solving. I think sometimes though, especially when we're, we're type A personalities, we're highly successful. We want to get right to problem solving. And the truth is you can't problem solve when, with, with someone when either we're emotionally triggered or they're emotionally triggered, it's just not, just not possible. So yeah, you gotta be a little patient there.
0: Yeah. And I think to kind of give you something else, a different framework for this, JB, and something to help kind of explain to clients is. The tactical pause. So just quick story on my end. So in the military, I was very fortunate to be able to spend some time with special operations. We we're doing this large training event where we we're gonna get on helicopters. I had about 40 guys underneath me at the time, get on helicopters, fly to the objective. We're gonna do some some go through some actions on the objective. But this is a kind of organization that always has multiple curveballs that they're gonna throw at you. And it's my first time. Doing this with this unit, and you know, we're on the objective, things start going crazy, and I'm buried in my map, really not fully understanding everything that's going on around me. It's really hard to understand what's going on, and so I had this senior NCO just kind of grab me and, like, Sir, you need to take a tactical pause, you need to just take a second, collect yourself, let's look around, get your head out of the map. You can see where your units are and what they're doing then let's come together come up with a plan and move forward and so that always stuck with me because every single mission i had after that or trying to train any of my junior leaders below me explaining the tactical pause we call it step into the balcony getting that far view of everything so you're not sucked into anything has helped me out tremendously maybe at least thinking through that and how you can apply it um, maybe it could be something for you as well, JB.
2: It's really interesting you say that because without terming a tactical pause, I think that's something that I've really employed over the last year or two is, and and both in in business and in personal life is just taking a deep breath instead of playing up to the emotions in the room and and, and firing back. I think our instinct as humans and Type A personalities, Aram, is you want to fire right back. You want to, You have everyone has an ego, everyone has pride, and no, I'm right. You're not. Yeah. But instead, taking taking a second, taking a break. Aram, you said a line. I'm trying to remember the line you just said. But, oh, I, I can see where that can be frustrating for you. And right, and you say that, you kind of bring down the tempers in the room. You take a second to pause. Sometimes I even, you know, instead of getting hot with an attorney, I'll just be like, hey, Mary Jane, uh, you know, I, I'm just going to give up. Let's just take a second. I'm going to take five minutes and I'll give you a call back because I know that's the only way and it might not, the continuity might get lost a little bit, but that's okay. Because if you, if you don't do that, you're going to ruin the relationship or ruin the deal anyway. So just take a second. And, and most people actually, I've found they like that. They like that. You have the ability to be self-aware, yeah. uh, self-aware and, and do those types of things and types of exercises to try and you know f- figure out a middle, middle ground or at least just come down and and uh, be more level-headed going forward. So that's that's awesome, tactical. I love that, that's cool.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if you read Gary Nessner Stalling for Time, but in I've there not. he also talks about taking the same kind of steps in a hostage negotiation situation. It definitely has application to business as well, so yeah. Yeah, talk, some...
2: talk about a time where you're just, you need it more, more than ever. Right? <laughs> um, pulling, yep, oh my goodness, I can only imagine. You
1: mentioned Eddie Shapiro as as an, you know both boss and influencer for you. There's a there's another Shapiro, the Shapiro name. Uh, there's a number of Shapiro's involved in negotiations. Dan Shapiro wrote a great book with Roger Fisher called Beyond Reason, and they talk about emotions there, and they categorize them kind of in f- five different blocks: appreciation, affiliation, autonomy, status, and role, and understanding which is kind of being triggered or which one needs to be addressed for us or with. Our counterparts. So it's another helpful sort of framework.
2: Can you guys send me these these book recommendations <laughs> after? I'm, I'm like, oh, wait, no, I'm not kidding. I'm always exactly. about, yeah, these new reads. So that's great. Yeah,
1: happy to do that. Thank you. Hey, listen. So, you know, you talked about kind of the, the negotiation, well, the kind of a problem solving situation it was going awry and you had to get really creative. How about something that just like, you have an example of like something you can consider to be kind of like your best negotiation success, an example, and how were you able to get that win?
2: Yeah. I think one that I can definitely think back to is a home that I represented the seller on uh, a Road where it was a $4.5 million beautiful modern home on the water. And it had a lot of issues, meaning that there was uh, a shared driveway that wasn't completed by, by the builder. There was a road noise. There was issues with how close it was to the water. And what I had to do to, to step in and try and help facilitate facilitate a deal and make sure that the buyer kind of came through and, and wanted to buy it is I told the buyer that, look, you know I'm representing a seller here. You have a buyer's representative, it's not me. But in order to get this done, I promise you, we're going to write up a little document of all your wishes or, and wants in order to get this deal done. And it was outside of the money thing that the price was already negotiated. But it was some things for example like he wanted a, a less of a gradient on the driveway because it was it was a super steep driveway and he was worried with his kids when they're either biking on it or they got a, they plow the driveway um he wanted a gradient done. my seller wouldn't agree to it because he felt like he was already taking a cut on that negotiated transaction price and and then there was another thing where he wanted this this dan who was the buyer he wanted trees trimmed in front of the house so he can have a little bit of better views to the water um, that his family could enjoy. Seller wouldn't budge on that one either. So I told Dan, I go, Dan, look, I go, I have a contracting company. Um, I I asked the seller if I could do this. He said, yeah, sure. JB, if it's on your penny, fine. So I talked to two, I talked to my brother first and I said, Chase, we're going to have to just eat this one. I'll pay you for your time to come out and and, you know, do the driveway over slash, hire your tree guy for, you know, 5,000 bucks to come and trim down the trees the, you know, the commission on that was, was $65,000. So if I didn't do those things, the house had been sitting th- there for a year. I don't get that deal done, but because I've had the, had the resources around, And because I was able to sort of leverage the fact that this is really what the buyer wanted, just a little bit of sort of compromise and middle ground, because those things really weren't taken care of and they probably should have been. And the ability for me to get that done for him got the deal done. So I think it's, again, it kind of goes back, ties in what we're talking about with relationships and just um, making sure that you're resourceful and accountable and, and and just, and trustworthy. And and I followed through with those things. And Dr. Dan, and I'm going over Dr. Dan's house um, in, uh, for Memorial Day weekend. So that, that's, the, that's the type of thing, you know, you just go above and beyond sometimes.
0: That's great. yeah. I think we have a podcast that you'll need to take a listen to. We had Brian Rodriguez from the Lana Rodriguez Group. He's also a realtor out of Colorado and he, he sold a large hotel in Colorado. And a lot of the things that you are saying, being creative, building these relationships, cause especially with the commercial property, where it takes a long time to build that relationship and to figure everything out, say a lot of things that are, that are very similar to what you're saying. And so definitely recommend, listening to that podcast and grabbing a few things from Brian as well.
2: Definitely will. And I, I found that the really good ones like Brian, they go above and beyond the people that just, they just kind of sit back and wait for things to happen. They're never very successful. And I think that that transcends all industries and careers and yeah, you gotta be a go-getter. That's, that's a, that's a prereq.
1: Hey Jv, let me ask you one other question. This one, um, you've talked so much about relationships, understanding interests, concerns, and needs of of clients or or contractors. You know, one of the elements when we think of elements of negotiation that we often talk about is is fairness, standards of legitimacy. So we think about examples would be industry practice, precedent, those sort of things. How does that show up in a unique market? you know, I imagine in the Hamptons, you're not talking about apples to apples between property and property. How do you try to establish like what's fair and reasonable, whether it's around price or it's around any of this additional sort of work that you're doing? How do you find that standard when it's, there's not like an obvious industry average or, may, or maybe there is some standards you you regularly use?
2: Great question. It's tough. It's tough to establish those things. What I usually rely on is, um, is, what we call appraisals of homes to just try and really or more generally from a macro standpoint, really try and determine the fair value of a home or a fair value of a property. And the way I do that is whether I have an appraiser that can come out and give me that knowledge. And sometimes the buyer or investor will pay for it. Sometimes we split it. Sometimes I'll, I'll take it on. And other times it's going through what we call a CMA or comparative market analysis to really understand where this property has transacted over the years, where the, you know, the street's over, where they, where they've, uh, those comps have traded to come up with a number. And of course, you know, that's before emotion comes into it. That's before that, that's really just trying to find like a number and that's the starting point. Okay. But then there's things, you know, Aaron, I have times where owners will come in and my usual pitch is my, I start out with the investment opportunity or the rental revenue that they can accrue if they buy this home or, or the potential appreciation rate over the five to ten years. I have people that come in and, and I'll start with that, and they just go, "JB, thank you." And it's great you have that knowledge. It doesn't matter because they just want the home that bad, or they want the property <laughs> that bad. and I just go, "Wow, and, you know, either it's for their family and they they have a dire situation, they just need to get out of the city, or some people are just fortunate enough in the in the world that I'm in that they just they just don't care about those things, and I I'm not it's still kind of eye-opening every day um, when I run into that. But yeah, I think it's it's truly, though, identifying, like trying to figure out that number and, and then going from there and knowing that there's going to be other elements and factors that come in. But that's usually my starting point is that analytics and that diligence that goes into what I do.
0: Thanks. So circling back to what we started talking about earlier in the episode, and that was how successfully you're able to apply this in your personal life, You're obviously having a tremendous amount of success in the business aspect of things. So how good of a negotiator are you in your personal life? And then I'll share with you what some of our other guests are saying.
2: I have more trouble in my personal life. (laughs) I do.
1: We all do. We all do.
2: You know, I I don't know what it is, guys. And it's um, I don't know if I'm just taxed from doing it all day, every day, usually with my clients and my business. And I just don't have the energy to kind of really... Talk through some of the steps that we've already, you know, touched on, which helps us become really good negotiators. I man, I love the people around me. I have really amazing human beings that are my family and my my significant other. Her name is Victoria, but God, is she stubborn? And it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> and it's like it, you know, it's man, it's a day to day battle and struggle. And that's really that that tactical pause that came from her, who we've uh, been been seeing each other for three and a half years and really close to making the next step but we found that when we take that pause instead of riling each other up and going head to head it usually helps and we can come back and and be more level headed and approach the situation from a different perspective and angle but that's where it's funny that's where that originated and i've taken that and used it in my business life and it's um it's helped tremendously so yeah it's it's a it's an ongoing thing guys it's um Little sister is the same way, you know. Mm-hmm. It's very, very stubborn type A, and and I think you know we're we're all we're all pretty young, so we're 20s and 30s, and I think it's just about working at it every day and just yeah. trying to figure out. You know, it's not the end of the world if we disagree, but why do you disagree? And, and trying to hear everyone's uh, point of view.
0: Like you're off to a better start than Gary Nestor, Brian Ahern, myself, Aram. We all we all can't seem to make it work. So you found a good one, you better lock lock her down quick. So. Yeah. Oh just, man. Just no. just
1: just challenging, right? So it's, it's uh, challenging. my, it's my wife, my wife more than once has said, You teach this stuff, why don't you try practicing it?
2: <laughs> no
1: i'll tell you one of the best things and he comes to either from beyond reason or, or difficult conversations another book is this idea of separating imp- impact versus intent right our intent especially with those that are closest to us it's it's good and, and the truth is we know that and we know their intent is good too they're not out to get us right? But the impact, the impact can sometimes be really damaging and harmful. And I think it's easier sometimes to separate those two things in sort of the very formal business arrangements when we're on, we're sharp, we're on edge. And we we let that down a little bit, right? We let our guard down a little bit when we're dealing with these closer relationships. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes we we, we know they're intense good. We need to give them benefit of the doubt there. We still need to be able to talk about impact and, and then be able to talk about and say, hey, the impact of those words or... Uh, not listening or whatever it is that we might be doing. By the way, it's interesting, right? They're always the stubborn ones, right? We're never the stubborn oh, ones. Oh, yeah. Right? That, that's <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. No.
2: <laughs> but it, it, Aram, it's funny you say that because I think sometimes I sort of, I let my foot off the gas pedal in, in a sense, like I get home and I just expect it to be easy yeah. because I've had such a crazy day of of doing this all day. And I just expect that. Can you just... Just give me the benefit of the doubt. Can I just be right here? But that t- it takes work too at home. It takes a lot of work there too. And you can't take that for granted. And I've found that same thing, negotiating shows up. It's like, you know, Victoria, I have to take out a client Friday night. I can't go to dinner with you, but on Sunday I'll take you to lunch. Or I'll take you to brunch. And we'll do. there's always a sort of a give and take and a compromise to find. So that's so funny yeah. you guys say that. I love it.
1: <laughs> so JB, you are a leader in this industry. If we could take a step to the 30,000 foot view and just look at real estate, especially with a negotiation lens, as you look out 10 years into the future, do you see opportunities for innovation or disruption within the real estate industry?
2: I think that it's a good question, Arm. I think that technology is playing more of a role and sort of on the public lens, sort of diminishing some of the value that myself and some of my colleagues bring to the table and you see it where you know a a company we don't have to name companies but there's companies that people think you can just go online and look up how to you know how to buy a home and these homes pop up and that's it and they can schedule an appointment electronically you can you know there's sort of uh like a robotic answer and and they think that that's the way to do it because you're cutting out someone and you don't have to pay someone commission or whatever it is And I just think that, you know, that model where a lot of these companies are trying to make a quick buck there, it's not, it's really just, I don't think it's gonna work going forward just because of what some of the things I mentioned here, which is like, you need someone to really, you know, know the local attorneys, you you need someone that can, um, you know, schedule uh, an inspector on a a 10 minute notice just so you get in and get that home and you're in front of the 10 other people looking to get it. So there's things that, and there's uh, areas where we bring value but I think the biggest thing is the technology piece. And maybe, you know, in 10 years, Aaron, that, that gets more efficient and that could really disrupt things. I don't you know, I don't see that happening, but it perhaps could. So it's going to be interesting to keep tabs on. But I feel like, you know, everyone's always going to need a home. Everyone, you know, the building thing and, and we don't just build homes, too. I want to mention this. We build schools out here. We just um, we're, we're building a new ambulance department, my, my company. So there's always going to be a need for that. And I'm glad that I'm on that end as well, where I can really provide, I think, like a really wholesome experience and uh, for the people of this town and the people that hopefully, you know, I'll be in other markets when I'm 40 years old and I can do the same there. So it's another thing we built the Southampton Youth Services, which is a 55,000 square foot facility in Southampton where kids can go after school instead of, you know, doing God knows what they're they're playing basketball inside and, and going to work out and learning how to, uh, you know, interact with. With their friends and, and other students outside of the classroom in a wholesome matter, so I think that's that's pretty cool.
0: Thanks. Yeah, this is a podcast that is all about how to elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. So JB, just first want to say thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I had a blast talking to you and everything like that, and sharing some stories. I'm going to kick it over to Aaron now to roll out the highlights from from this episode.
1: Well, listen, JB. First of all, you know you talked about your brand i i think you live your brand and it, it's what impresses me so I'm very genuinely i think you're a humble person with all the success you've had You're a great demonstration of the values you you espouse, accountability, trust, relationship. And I think that's such an important thing as a negotiator to negotiate from a place of authenticity. And I think you demonstrate that really well. And, you know, there's, again, so much I could probably go back to in terms of being prepared, being able to know the details, know properties, know people really well. I liked what you said about what Coach Stevens would talk about, about being able to adjust and improvise. And I think that negotiators who can apply those things, in addition to everything else that J.B. shared with us today, Uh, are going to find tremendous amount of success going forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that is it for us on today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Had an awesome conversation with JB today. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Negotiate X podcast. And that's it from us. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online.